What's up, Literacy Advocates? I'm your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Anne Fernandez. She's a high school English teacher in Darien, Connecticut. She's been a teacher for 20 years. She has a master's in teaching English from Boston College, and she co-authored the book Schooled, a book of shared experiences for teachers across the country teaching in different settings. Anne, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Timmy. I'm so excited to talk to you. We're going to talk about something that might ruffle some feathers. (laughs) Um, I asked you what a commonly held uh, belief that you passionately disagree with or a common practice that you passionately disagree with. You shared with me that teachers have a tendency to avoid focusing on plot when they're analyzing literature with kids. And they'll say things like, don't give me plot. um, uh, And they want to focus on supposedly higher order things. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I often hear teachers complain, and I've done it myself, that, that students focus too much on plot when we're getting them ready to discuss a piece of literature or getting them writing about a piece of literature that they tend to, um, teachers will say, give too much plot summary and focus too much on plot. Yeah. But as teachers, we tend to overleap plot, either skip it entirely or, you know, maybe we'll spend a little time reviewing plot or have, have a quote quiz for kids that is supposed to be some kind of quick plot check to make sure that they read. Mm. And then we quickly barrel on into the areas of the text that may be more interesting to us as teachers, like symbolism and figurative yeah. language and, and point of view. Why do you think that is? Behind plot. Sorry to interrupt I, you. I, yeah, no, that's okay. I think that it is a um, phenomenon, particularly of uh, middle and high school teachers. And I think there is always the pressure. I've taught at both the middle middle school and the high school level. There's always the pressure to get kids ready for the next level. And we're always thinking mm. about what they should be ready for next rather than what they're ready for now. And so I think that means that middle school teachers may tend to teach more like what they think high school teachers are expecting and high school teachers might be teaching more of what they think college professors might be expecting. As opposed to what, what do you think should be happening? When I say that we should not ignore plot and that we should spend more time on plot, I'm talking about the same kinds of things that, that not to get lofty, but that Aristotle was talking about when he invented literary criticism and he looked at- Boom, here we are pooping on <laughs> getting too lofty and we're getting too lofty in our explanation. And then out of my back yeah, pocket, I bring Aristotle Pull out right Aristotle, away. wave that around. That's right. So if you want to get lofty, Aristotle was the one who said plot is the most important thing. So when he looked at the Greek tragedies, he said there were six parts that were important. And the most important part was plot. This to me is so, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm such an interrupter. This to me is so obvious (laughs) as a kid's book author, as a kid's book author, I, I live or die based on how good my plots are. There's no, there's nothing else that's going to cause me to have a successful career as a kid's book author than whether or not I can do plot well. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's not just the spine. I think we tend to think of it as just the spine of everything else or the backbone of everything else, but it actually is the heart of everything. And, and Aristotle, you know, looked at all those Greek tragedies and he said, you know, how do they achieve their purpose? Well, they, 
they generate emotion and they generate emotion through the sequencing of the events and through the events of the plot itself. And when we ignore that, I think we're ignoring a lot of what, what uh, children and teenagers get out of reading books. They're interested in plot. Yeah. The plot is where a lot of the emotion is. Yes, it's in the characters and, and conflict is intertwined with plot in a way that's hard to separate them. Um, so sometimes I'm talking about plot and I'm really talking about both things, but, the, but that's where uh, the, not just the action is, but where the emotion is. Yeah. What, um, so it's, it's pretty easy for me as a kid's book author to say, you know, this is the, of course, plot is the most important thing, but I'm of course biased because legitimately, if I can't write compelling and interesting stories, uh, you know, I'm not going to be a successful author, but from your perspective as an educator, why do you think it's true that plot is so much more important and, um, and what caused you to discover that? Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure I'd say that it's so much more important, but I, I think that because it gets such uh, short shrift, I, I mm. try to put more emphasis on it, right? Just so yeah. there's more of a balance. Yeah. But um, some of the kinds of questions that, you know, literature teachers tend to ask that are plot oriented, that are really fruitful are things like, you know, why does the author begin where they began? Why did they end where they ended? You know, what's the moment of greatest tension in the story. Um, you know, why is that weird scene in the play? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, what's the, what's the climax of the story is a question that generates a lot of good debate and discussion. You know, what, what is that key turning point of the story where the protagonist has clearly won or lost the conflict? And that, that's a conversation that can go on for more than a day in a classroom and, and help students understand why we have multiple interpretations of the same book, because we might decide that different points are the most important point where we see that turning point. Yeah. Um, it really can help students understand, oh, I, I guess I thought the conflict of this book was this, but maybe it's also importantly this other thing. And that's gonna help me understand something more deeply about the text. Yeah. So there are discussions of plot that can help students deepen their understanding of all the other elements that we might think of as more layered, deeper literary elements. Yeah. When we talked last, you talked about the feeling of trying to guess what's in the teacher's head. This was such like per pervasive in my experience in school. I was always, I, I felt like I was doing well in school to the, to the degree that I could guess correctly what's going on in the teacher's head about like how they're thinking about a text. Right. And, and I think that, you know, when it comes to plot, some teachers are thinking, well, plot is a yes or no, it either happened in the book or it didn't happen in the book. And I want to get to some more interpretive questions that um, I don't have one firm answer. I know that there's lots of good answers to this question. And I want the kids to talk about that. But I think students do tend to, a lot of students, you know, want to be, they don't want to be wrong. Yep. <laughs> right. And, and so um, there's still some discomfort um, and it gets easier as kids um, work with teachers that make them more comfortable with multiple interpretations of text. And as they get older and more comfortable with themselves as readers, understanding that there's multiple ways of looking at every aspect of the text and that, yes, you can be wrong. You can, you can misremember or misread a text. 
but there's lots of ways to be right. And I think because plot is a little more concrete, you know what's on the page. We'll get in, in a minute. I want to talk to you about ambiguity and how you know ambiguity in the plot is really important for kids to focus on. But okay. because plot is in many ways more concrete versus a symbol where you know it's the green light in Gatsby, and I'm going to wait until we've had all these discussions so I can figure out what the teacher thinks the green light means. Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Whereas oh, I, I think. I, I cringed. I, I I just remember like just it, it felt like I was it felt so it, and I was thinking this when you were describing um a lot of author's craft type questions like why did the author start the story the way that they did and that kind of stuff. And I am curious the relationship between author's craft type questions and like healthy discussion of plot. Um I think that teachers do uh at least in my experience there seems to be a lot of fascination with author's craft type stuff, which of course feels good as an author. But at the end of the day, sometimes it can really feel like author worship. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I, I chose to draw the character that way because that's how I wanted to draw the character. Like there's, there, sometimes there's not a big, deep meaning. Sometimes it's literally like I sucked at art back in 2014 when I drew that character. So I drew him with a gigantic nose to help hide that. Or um, I was just looking for a way to add more drama to the story. So that's why I had the volcano explode. <laughs> like, it's only later that I thought like, ooh, how could that be related to sequels? Um, so, so, so sometimes it's felt to me like there's just this religion that gets developed around an author in discussing why they chose to do things the way that they did. Mm -hmm. and what was the symbolic right. meaning behind that thing? We're going to assume how does all of that hit you? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it gives me a couple of thoughts. You know, one is that, you know, I've, I, over time, I've shifted more to talking about, you know, what's the effect of this choice rather than, you know, okay, sometimes we say, why did the author make this choice? But it might be smarter to say, what's the effect of this choice, right? Because mm. that gets away from the question of author intent and, and whether you, that's what you meant to have happen. But, how are we uh, receiving that on the other end? Yeah. Um, but it's also making me think about um, the fact that that plot is structure, and structure to me is author's craft. Yeah. So. Um, yes, you know, that is it, true. It, it, it's and and when one of the types of texts that I really like to teach when I'm digging into uh, this is is frame narratives. So stories that are set up as frame narratives where, you know, why did the author decide to have, you know, people sitting around the fireplace telling ghost stories. And then finally we hear the story of the woman in the turn of the screw. What, what's the purpose of that frame narrative? Why did Henry James structure the turn of the screw that way? Why did Washington Irving structure the legend of Sleepy Hollow is a frame narrative. That's a that's an author's craft question. It's a but it's a plot and structure question, and it's a I think it's a, a sophisticated one. So I, I I don't think of plot questions, good plot questions, as um, not about author's craft or not about um, all of those other elements that they tie into and that yeah, they yeah. work together toward communicating a big idea of the text. You know, what's another thing I thought of as you were saying all that is 
So there's the, uh, the, what, what was the effect of that decision, you know, instead of like, what was the author's, you know, hidden deeper purpose for why he did that. But right, I really right. like the idea of going, what was the effect of that? As I'm thinking about like plot discussions of stories, sometimes it feels like I, so I had to read this book because it was required reading at my school and we're having all these plot discussions as if this, as if this plot is so good that I would just want to read it when the reality so often is that these stories are boring as heck and they just happen to be really interesting to the audiences that they were written for. So mm -hmm. sometimes I felt like I would almost rather just have a conversation going, why was this so interesting to that audience rather than trying to have a conversation about how interesting this story is? How does all that hit you? Right. Well, and I, th I think, you know, that goes to, you know, what we choose um, to have students read if we're assigning them a whole class text or to giving students choices in what they read so that they're reading things that they're really interested in. And what, you know, one of the big debates obviously about student choice in reading is this notion that students are just gonna pick plot-driven texts and they're not gonna choose texts that are Ooh. layered and have yeah. all those literary elements to them. But again, if you're helping students ask the right questions about plot and structure, then even a text that you know some um, literary snob might turn their nose up at um, can still be a text that students can really deep dig into deeply and develop not just their appreciation for that text but their analytical skills. Yeah, I've said this on many podcast episodes, and it's been offensive to some people, uh, but I just borrowed it from somebody named Glenn Rhodes. I had him on the podcast really early when the podcast first started. And when he said it as an English teacher, it was so inspiring to me. And that is the goal of being an English teacher is not to make more English teachers. Um, and similarly, I would say the goal of being a literary snob for lack of a kinder way to say it is not to make more literary <laughs> snobs. It should, it should not be to make more literary snobs, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on that? Well, and, and we, well we, we spoke about my biography earlier, but before my 20 years of teaching, I worked in investment banking and marketing. So I have that, definitely have that perspective that, that you know, I it was an English major, but I went into very different careers. I came back to my first love, but um, much of the work that I did as an English student prepared me to do well in those fields and to keep to keep reading on my own so much so that I kept reading and writing and decided to actually end up becoming an English teacher. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, I, I have that perspective as well. It, it's hard to hold on to that perspective because when you're in the classroom every day um, and you're working with books every day, you, you, you do kind of get to go down the rabbit hole of thinking more and more analytically about texts yourself yeah. and, and forgetting what it's like to read as a, developing reader and thinker that's such a great point and honestly also such a great vulnerability and i appreciate that a lot i think that if i had gone the path that i was pursuing in college and became an english teacher i very likely would also become one of those people that gets wrapped up in literary english teacheriness and um and uh over focus on things that this is another th offensive statement, but out in the real world, aren't super valuable. <laughs> but well, that's I, a perspective yeah. that I have that maybe you don't share. And I, 
I, I'm, I, I, I'm curious. Um, part of the reason I resonated so much with what you were saying is because we're, we're poo-pooing the over-celebration of literary conversations around things that um, are high, supposedly higher order. Um, but I'm curious what, what the value, like what is the proper assessment of the value of these kinds of conversations? The proper assessment, uh, I mean, I, I conversations around plot, I think are not any better or worse than conversations around other literary elements, I think is the, the, the main way to think about it. I just, I think that for students, again, who are more comfortable talking about plot, it's a great place to push them. So for example, you know, a lot of students struggle with ambiguity. You know, they yeah. we spoke earlier about, you know, students don't want to be wrong. And, and if yeah. something is ambiguous, then how, how can I know what's right? Yeah. Um, uh, most humans are uncomfortable with ambiguity in, in, their, in our, <laughs> you know, day-to-day -day lives. So that makes yep. sense that, that students would sometimes resist it in texts. But if we can push them to look at ambiguity in plot, which is again, something so kind of concrete. So for example, let's say a story ends with an ambiguous ending. We don't know exactly what's gonna happen on that next blank page. The author leaves us with some ambiguity. For a lot of students that's frustrating. Oh, it is for me too. Um, I hate ambiguous endings. <laughs> I'm like, come on author, make a decision. What a cop out. <laughs> but but it is the end of the story there, right? So so we can talk about that ambigu ambiguity. We can talk about the various conclusions that each of us wants to draw from that ending yeah. because yeah. we want we want that um, closure. What what's the closure that you want, Timmy? What's the closure that Anne wants? What's the closure that another student wants? And at that point, then we're having a discussion not just about what the author was trying to get across in terms of plot, but what different meanings come from the text if you interpret it one way and what meaning comes from it if I interpret it another way. Right. And, and yeah. those are, again, conversations that are just as deep as any other literary conversation in my view. Yeah, I agree. And I feel that I've over poo-pooed uh, these kinds of conversations and also just focusing on them as a writer um, the reality is I do care about these things. I mean, when I, I said that, you know, my career lives or dies on my ability to structure a good plot, but I think it also lives or dies on my ability to incorporate well themes that people can draw out of the work or just incorporate well ways that people can interact with the work and make it personal and make it, you know, something that they resonate with for all kinds of various different reasons. And that's where the high, I feel the higher order things that literary uh, teachers love to discuss, they, they really do have merit. So I just want to walk back a little bit, <laughs> my over poo-pooing of this stuff. So um, you, you don't get so much very well-worded hate mail. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I will. I honestly think that, you know, English teachers, they want to do right by their students. And you're an English teacher for a reason. You, if you're an English teacher, chances are you love these kinds of conversations and you see the value in them and you want to have them with your students. Um, and so I definitely don't want to over poo poo that, but I, well, I like I that. 
Yeah, to go be ahead. Fair, I, I have to, to say that, you know, if you ask some of my students, does she spend too much time on symbolism and sentence structure and connotations of words? They're going to say yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I say to, to myself, you know, as much as to anybody else, don't ignore plot. This is something that I've been working on, you know, more over the last couple of years of trying to pull myself back from um, being overly, um, not overly analytical, but overly analytical about certain elements of the text that may not be as interesting to my students as they are to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. to be fair, that's not to say I don't, um, I don't, you know, get all inside my own head too often. Yeah. I think that's something that's important to remember. And so I'm speaking to the alternate version of, of my life where I pursued being an English teacher is that the skill of storytelling is one of the most valuable life skills that a person can develop. Like you go into any career, into any field, do anything. And the skill of understanding what makes a good story and how to tell a good story, a compelling one that people are drawn in by, that skill is so incredibly valuable. Um, and so for that reason, I think it's important not to ignore plot and to ignore conversations about like, wh why was this story interesting or, or what sucked you in about this part or that kind of stuff? Well, and especially what, you know, what's the emotional impact of that storytelling? Yeah. Right? Um, so, you know, that's what marketers are relying on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is absolutely the emotional impact of storytelling. And that, and that brings us back to Aristotle, <laughs> who's, who, who really did focus on, uh, and, and my students and I focus quite a bit on, you know, the intellectual outcome of thinking about plot, but the emotional impact of, of the story is why I say plot is the heart of literary analysis. Yep. This has been an awesome conversation and how should listeners connect with you? Well, they probably can find me on Twitter complaining in the morning about a variety of topics <laughs> at Lutz Fernandez, where I, before I've had my coffee, I complain about things. I get awesome. more cheerful by the afternoon after I've seen my students. So if you want to come and see me on Twitter, then it might be a more pleasant experience. Great. And this has been so fun. Thanks for, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It was great.